There we go. That's it for the announcements. Well, we, I started talking last week about the power of blessing. And uh, I want to talk about it again this week for us. With, and as you heard, as Lee's praying, she's just talking about blessing. And, you know, this word bless or blessing is there 389 times in the Bible. It starts out in the first book in Genesis 1, and you see it in the last book, Revelations 22. It's literally beginning to end. We see God talking about people being blessed or God blessing people. And this is such an important thing for us to understand, especially as we are talking, going to be talking more and more about the fruits of the spirit or the gifts of the spirit over the next year. This last year, we spent almost a year talking about developing the fruits of the spirit in our lives, about being emotionally healthy Christians, about living from a place of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. That the natural outworking of our relationship with God, the Holy Spirit working in our lives, is that what is what it produces. There's also a whole thing about the gifts of the Spirit, the power of the Spirit that moves through the lives of Christians that you see again from the beginning to the end of Scripture. But especially once we, you know, in the New Testament, as we are a people that are empowered by the Holy Spirit. And so... We want to be a people that live from that place. And understanding blessings and curses is really important. So today, and we're always going to major on blessing, not on curses, because curse is where we don't want to end up. Blessing is where we want to be. So let's look. You know, we're going to go on a little bit of a journey through scripture again today. I'm going to look at Genesis 1 to begin with. And it's where we see in Genesis 1 where it's the story of creation. And tells the story of God creating the world. And we first see him talking about blessing in Genesis 1. When he talks about the fact that he makes the creatures of the sea and the birds of the air. And he says, I see, God says, you know, it says that God saw they were good. And so he blessed them. And then shortly after that, it talks about making the animals of the land and then mankind. You know, and it says right here in Genesis 1:26 then God said let us make mankind in our image in our likeness so that they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky over the livestock and all the wild animals and over all the creatures that move along the ground then in verse 27 so God created mankind in his own image In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. God blessed them and said to them, Be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish of the sea and the birds in the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. So, right there. Right at the beginning is God blessing, blessing mankind, blessing the creatures, blessing mankind and be fruitful and multiply. What does this blessing do? It talks about increase, talks about increase and something for us to pay attention. 
We are here on this earth as God's representatives. It says here to rule. May we be good rulers over this earth that we have been given to steward. It's such an important thing. There's a blessing that's commanded with that. We then see just a little bit down where God blesses the seventh day. You know, he says, hey, he literally says, let me make that holy, set it apart for rest. We talked about for the fruits of the spirit to be in our lives. We've got to take a day and rest. We have to build rest into our lives. There's something holy, supernatural, and blessed when we obey God and rest. When we follow the patterns that God has set in place into this world, into this universe. Where he says, it is good for you to rest. What did he do with that seventh day? We, he, things multiply, right? When God blessed it and, the, and his people obeyed it, it was incredible what happened. When we do things God's way, things are blessed. But then something happened, right? Just after all these things, mankind's made, there's all these blessings like, hey, do things my way. There's only this one thing that God says to mankind. And he says to Adam and Eve, do not eat from the tree of knowledge of good and evil. And if, if you do that, you will surely die. And we know the story. They're tempted by, they're tempted by the, the enemy, by the serpent. And they eat from the tree of knowledge of good and evil. Why? Because they want to be like God. Like, well, we want, we want to be in control. And immediately, the curse that comes with that comes into their lives and comes into mankind. And yet, despite this curse, God continued to bless. It's like, hey, look, the reality is now, you, you know, there's, there's just this... Uh, all this that's going to happen because you've eaten from this tree of knowledge of good and evil, because you didn't trust me, because you didn't, you know, you would not trust me my way now, and you're trying to do it your way, then the consequences of that you're going to live in. But he always had the plan, and right from the beginning he pronounced it, you know, that one day there would be a man that would crush the head of that, of that serpent, and this curse would be reversed, and that was Jesus. And we live in the blessing of Jesus. But even, even before Jesus came on the scene, in terms of being born as a man, God continued to, to bless. We see in the story where it's initially, you know, he blesses Noah after the flood. We see that he blesses uh, Abraham or Abram, who becomes Abraham, and says, look, all your, through your descendants, there'll be a blessing to the world, which are the Israelite people. We see this blessing and God continues going, hey, I'm in a, I want to bless you. I want to bless you, but you've got to do things my way. And what do we keep, what do we see throughout the story of scripture is that instead of choosing the way of blessing, people choose their own way and that produces cursing in their lives. And we see this and can read it from a standpoint of like, well, why does God curse? But a curse is actually just the natural outworking of a choice. 
You know, blessing is the supernatural outworking. When I say supernatural, God's outworking, outside of the natural, God's spiritual working in our lives to bring about abundance, to bring about, about increase, to bring about growth, to bring about what is best for us. It says, look, if you do things my way, the outcome will be good. The outcome will be good. The journey may not be easy, but the outcome will be good. And when you don't do things my way, the outcome will be bad. And that is the simplicity of a blessing or a curse. But they're supernatural principles that are written into the laws of this world and universe. The principles God put in place. Our way will never produce the life of God. Us doing things our way will not do it. It's only when we do it his way that it'll work. But that requires a humility and submission from us to him. We've, we've got to be willing to do it his way. If we wonder why the things of God are not coming about in our lives, we probably need to examine whether we're living the way that he would want us to live. If we're doing things the way he would ask us to do them. Now, we see in Proverbs 10, 12, or or sorry, 10, 22, where it says, the blessing of the Lord brings wealth without painful toil for it. Now, the curse said that in order to eat, it's going to be painful toil. In order for wealth to come about, painful toil. It's part of the curse. And yet here in Proverbs, before Jesus... It's written that the blessing of the Lord brings wealth without painful toil for it. In Deuteronomy, one of the things that it says, it says that, you know, God is the one that gives us the ability to produce wealth. Is our life meant to be about wealth? No. What were we put in place for at the beginning? And to rule over this earth. To rule over the, the, you know, to rule like God over this earth, though. You know, God who lets the rain fall on the righteous and the unrighteous. God who is good and filled with love. Doesn't mean we're here to exploit the people around us or the animals or the creatures or things like that for our purposes. We're to rule over them the way God would rule over us. We're to love our neighbor as ourselves. As Jesus said, we love God with all our heart, mind, and spirit, but we love our neighbor as ourselves. Well, what does God do? God blesses. You know, God blesses. Let's continue. When Jesus came, the curse that came with Adam and Eve was dealt with once and for all. He demonstrated this before his death, but it happened at his death. When Jesus comes on the scene, he does everything the opposite of how Adam and Eve did it. And the first thing that we see of that is Jesus going into the desert and being tempted for 40 days and 40 nights. And the enemy came to him the same way the enemy came to Adam and Eve. And one of the temptations that, the, the, uh, that Satan gives to Jesus is like, hey, listen, if you will bow down and worship me, then I'll bless you with all the kingdoms of the earth. Right? All these things, everything you can see, as far as your eye can see, you'll rule over all of it. If you'll just bow down and worship me as opposed to God. And Jesus said, no, he obeyed his father in heaven, unlike Adam and Eve and said no to the enemy there. 
And, and that no is the beginning of the kingdom of God coming on the earth. That no is essential for everything that we see of Jesus's life, right? Because then Jesus goes and starts exercising the kingdom of God, literally doing the very thing that God would do. And what does he do? Well, you know, he starts healing the sick. He starts casting out demons. He starts cleansing leopards. Why? Because he's reversing the curse over people. The things that are the result of the curse, he's literally reversing. You know, when we bless people, we reverse the curse. We are Jesus's representatives here on the earth, empowered by the same Holy Spirit that empowered Jesus. Christianity is not an intellectual exercise. It's an exercise of faith and an exercise of power and reversing the curse on the earth. But if we don't believe that, then the earth is going to continue to wait for the sons and daughters of God to arise because we're hiding ourselves under a bushel basket, refusing to let our light shine. You know, you are empowered by the Holy Spirit. You have the power, not in and of yourself, but the Holy Spirit's power within you to reverse the curse on this earth by blessing people. When we say blessing, we say praying, but praying is not just this, God, would you please do something? God is like, I have empowered you to do something. My spirit wants to flow through you to do something. Jesus didn't say pray that the sick would be healed. He said, heal the sick. He didn't say pray that the lepers would be cleansed. He said, cleanse the lepers. He didn't say pray that the demons would be cast out. He said, cast out demons, right? These, these were the things that he told his disciples to do. These are the things that he told his disciples to do. If we are disciples of Jesus, this is part of our life. It's meant to be. We've got to have faith that that is part of our life, believe that, and start exercising it. And even if we don't see things come about the way we would expect them to come about, that we don't give up. We just keep growing in faith. We grow in faith. We grow in faith. You know, when Jesus encountered greed, what did he do? He encouraged generosity. You know, again, denying the curse and inviting people to live in a blessing. We see this with Zacharias. We see this with Matthew, the tax collector, right? We see this with the rich young ruler. When there was hatred for enemies, Jesus taught people to love, to pray, and to bless instead of to curse. When Jesus confronts religious leaders, he, the people that Jesus confronted were the religious leaders. Why? Because they were actually thwarting God's plan to reverse the curse and to bless the nations through the people of Israel. They were standing in the way. Their teaching was getting in the way of the people being who they were meant to be. The times we see, we don't see Jesus going around condemning sinners, nor do we see him encouraging sin. But we do see, that when you see Jesus confronting, the confrontation is always against religious leaders standing in the way of the purposes of God. Jesus chose to die on behalf of all of us. 
He chose to demonstrate the kingdom, to show us what was possible through his life, and then to die a painful, torturous death. Why? Because he realized it wasn't about him. Jesus finds himself in a garden, just like Adam and Eve found themselves in a garden, with a choice. You know, God, I don't want to go through what I've got to go through, Father. You know, literally it describes him sweating blood from the anxiety because he knew what he was about to go through. He's like, look, if there's any other way, Father, if you can take this cup of suffering from me, please do. If not, your will be done. And God's will was done. He did go through all of that. He did die at the cross to once and for all be that once and final sacrifice for all sin, to conquer all sin and all death once and for all at the cross. It was finished. That means, and I've heard me say this before, there are theologies out there that are taught today, commonly taught in a number of different churches where you are a sinner saved by grace. That is a wrong identity. If you believe you are a sinner still, you will not live in the things that God has for you. But if you believe that you were someone that at a time was outside of God, but that you now have been washed clean by the blood of Jesus, made new by the blood of Jesus, then you will live out that identity. And without us living that identity, if we keep living under identity that we are still this rotten sinner, oh, woe is me, then we will never live as the children of God. We will never live in from that place. That is not our identity. Our identity is people that have been bought at a price that have been made and washed clean by Jesus Christ at the cross by his blood and that are empowered by the power of the Holy Spirit that have been called with a purpose to you know, bring light into the darkness of this world. To bring light into the darkness of this world. That's what each and every one of us is called to do. And we do that by blessing. We do that by blessing. Our role is not John the Baptist's role. And it's really important because so often ministries take on this John the Baptist role of calling people to repentance and telling them that they're going to go to hell. Our role is to not be John the Baptist. Our role is to be sons and daughters of God and to be made into the image of Jesus. And what did Jesus do? He went out and healed and blessed and proclaimed the goodness of the kingdom of God. Scripture says it's the love of God that leads people to a place of repentance. It's the love of God that leads people to repentance. Just before Jesus went up, was was finally ascended to heaven, when he was with his disciples in Matthew 28, he blessed them. He blessed them. And this is how he blessed them. It says here in Matthew 28, verse 18, Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. Gave them a command, an instruction. Go. Go out into the world. Go to all the nations. You know, and you know, baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. You know, teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. 
Baptizing, that baptized word, it's immerse. Immerse them in who the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit is. Teach them to follow me and to obey me. And I'll be with you, he says. God's with us. Jesus is with us. He says, to the end of the age. We're still in that age. He's with you. He's with you. We don't need to do any of this alone. I can't heal a single person. I can't cast out a demon. I can't do any of that. God's the one that does it. But will I have faith to do what he asked me to do? Will I bless and not curse? Will I believe and trust for healing for people? Will I believe and trust that people will come to know Jesus? Do I believe that the kingdom of God will advance? Or am I just huddling, hoping I make it to heaven? We've got to believe. We're not meant to live in Christian bubbles. We're not to live in Christian clubs. We're meant to be the salt and the light that impacts the world around us. You hear me talking, you're going to hear me talking about it all the time. The fact that, you know, one person, if you will disciple one person a year, every year, then in 11 years time, over a million people in the GTA will, will have given their life to Christ. It just means you're discipling one person a year. It's very possible. And even more possible if you go, I can't do that, but God can do it through me, so I'm going to make myself available to you, God. I'm going to bless as many people as you tell me to bless. I am going to, when I see a situation, I'm going to speak your life into it. You know, my neighbor that may annoy me, I'm going to pray a blessing over that person. You know, when I'm cut off by someone in traffic, I'm going to bless them. You know, when I am annoyed at my boss or my coworker or someone, whoever it may be, I'm going to bless them and not curse them. I'm going to bless them. I'm going to be like you. I'm going to be like my father in heaven. Our job as followers of Jesus is to follow in his footsteps, pick up our cross daily and reverse the curse. Reverse the curse. Because Jesus paid the price, he's done it. He's broken sin and death. The reality of the world around us is people just don't know it. They're still living under that curse. They're still in jail, unwilling to follow, you know, not understanding the love of God, unwilling to follow Jesus because they don't know who he is. And if we don't correctly demonstrate who God is to them, how will they ever know? How will they ever know? We reverse the curse by forgiving those who have wronged us. By forgiving those who have wronged us every time, without exception. Colossians 3.13, it says, Bear with each other in love. And forgive one another. If any of you has a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. Remember that Jesus taught us to love our enemies. It says it's easy to love those that love you back. But love your enemies. Love your enemies. Then you're like your father in heaven. Who lets the rain fall on the righteous and the unrighteous. The world's sense of justice is not God's sense of justice. God's sense of justice was to come and die so that the sin, uh, sin and death could be conquered once and for all for all mankind. He died for everyone. He died for everyone. 
doesn't mean everyone accepts that gift. It doesn't mean everyone, I'm not saying everyone's automatically saved. I'm saying that Jesus died so that everyone could be. Everyone could be. Everyone, everyone, when I say everyone could be, everyone could receive that gift. It's like, here's a gift. Do you want it? You go, no, I don't want it. Okay, he's not going to force you to take it. You know, God's not going to force you to go to heaven and be with him. But the gift is there. If the Lord's prayer, that things here on earth would be here on earth as they are in heaven, that God's will would be done here on earth as it is in heaven, we've got to be willing to do his will. We've got to be willing to do his will. Romans 12, verse 14 to 21. I said I would come back to this last week. I'm going to read it again. Because this one is where it says, love your enemies. It's, you know, Jesus teaches it. It's taught here in Romans. And it says, bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position do not be conceited. Do not repay anyone evil for evil, but be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath. For it's written, it's mine to avenge, I will repay, says the Lord. On the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Again, the reason I said come back to this is there's, you know, that you'll heap burning coals on his head sounds like you're burning their head. Like, look, if I do something good for you, I'm going to punish you. Awesome. Yeah, that's not it. Yeah. To be honest, this is a quote from an Old Testament scripture. There's lots of debate as to what it means, you know, because people don't know. We, there's lots of speculation in going, you know, at that time, people would have need, needed hot coals to feed themselves. They would have needed it for fire. So when heaping burning coals on their head, you're actually providing with what, them with what they need to cook their meal. There's like all kinds of different possible interpretations. But the context of the scripture would make it clear that it is not about punishing them. It's not about punishing it. It's about blessing them. It's about giving them what they need. Good does triumph over evil. But sometimes it doesn't look like the way the world says. The world would not go, Jesus dying is how you overcome evil. You know, laying down your life is how you overcome evil. There was a group, I believe, was it the Morovians? Yeah, Morovians. They sold themselves into slavery for 100 years. They were a German group. They, they, they felt they were called to be able to reach people in slavery and to reach slave masters. For a hundred years, they sold themselves into slavery. Now, in the, the history, if you go up, there's a place called um, St. Marie among the Hurons. It's an it's a original set French settlement up near Midland, Ontario. And, you know, these, these French priests would come to bring the, bring the gospel. This is well before all the negative stuff that we have about residential schools and things along those lines. 
these, these priests would come and they would come to the tribes that were cannibals. You know, at that time, the, the, these nations would kill each other and would eat body parts from each other. And they came to bring peace and bring the gospel to the nation. And they died for it. Now, and many people do. I mean, this is, this is very common. It's still happening today all around the world where people are dying to bring the gospel to people. And in, in the world's sense of justice, that makes no sense. In God's economy, and the world is being changed and being reached. But if we value our lives more than we value the kingdom purposes of God, it will make no sense. If we think that the only purpose of our lives is to be materially blessed and have a good, comfortable life, we've missed the call of Christianity, which is to pick up our cross daily and reach this world. That we are part of a bigger story in God. That doesn't mean you have to suffer. Doesn't mean everyone's called to suffer in that regard. It just means that we're not all called to comfort. And we shouldn't say that someone that's going through something difficult is not blessed by God. Because by that very definition, Jesus wasn't. We're called to be the salt and the light to this world. Where it means that if people take advantage of us, you know, we bless them. If people persecute us, we bless them. You know? What does that mean, right? I shouldn't say this word. It means we're like, God, I, you know, like Stephen at the, at being stoned, going, God, you know, forgive them. They do not know what they do. It's like, because that's what, they don't, they don't know who they are. They don't know what they do. So it's like evil, you know, wants to triumph, try to triumph over good, but it never will if we don't try, turn to evil to try to use evil against evil. It cannot triumph. These nations where these men gave their, or these, these, these tribes where these men gave their life, people ended up becoming Christians and following Jesus because of the bravery and peace they saw in these men even as they died. Like there must be something real to this God. Now, we've all come to this place for different reasons. Some have come from a call of God to the country of Canada. Some have called, come for other reasons. But we're all, whether you came here specifically because you were called to a role in ministry or whether you were, came, you know, because you were called to a job or whatever those things, we're all in full-time ministry. You know? We're all in full-time ministry. And this is not a command just for, you know, a few Christians. This is a way that each and every one of us is meant to live every day all the time, all the time, that we bless and do not curse. And that is the only way, it's the only way that God's kingdom advances. It's the only way that God's will is done here on earth that is in heaven. This truth is a difficult one to get our heads around because it goes against every sense of justice that we have as we're taught by the world. You know, and it also goes against really bad religious teaching that most of us have received probably at some point in time in our lives. You know, I felt hardest time at times. There'd be times where I'm like, oh, I shouldn't bless these people because maybe God wants them to go through something really difficult in order to reach them. But it's the kindness of God that leads people to repentance. Right? So actually, as opposed to me going, this person's not worthy. It's like, of course, God, you want to, unless you tell me no. Unless you say, like, don't do it, I should bless. And, you know, we, we should, and I say, 
And there I'm thinking of a material thing. But we should always bless with our words. We should always speak life with our words. Our words are powerful. These are supernatural things. Our words carry power. If God could speak the world into existence, our words carry power. And so when we choose to bless, we are throwing, <laughs> throwing a wonderfully good spiritual bomb into a situation. Yeah. But again, our hearts have got to be right. Bless regardless. Bless until your heart wants them to be blessed. You know, even if your heart is not right at the beginning, but may God do the work of the spirit in our hearts so that the fruit of the spirit was that we truly want the best for people, even when they don't want the best for us. Philippians 2 talks about us counting others as more significant than ourselves. It says, therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and of one mind. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. In your relationship with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. And I won't read all of Philippians 2, but we know if, if you read on, it goes on about how the fact that Jesus would humble himself to be born as a child, would humble himself in so many different ways, and even humble himself to go to the cross so that we would be saved. James 2, verses 14 to 17, it says, What good is it, my brothers and sisters, if someone claims to have faith but has no deeds? Can such a faith save them? Suppose a brother or sister is without clothes or daily food. If one of you says to them, Go in peace, keep warm, and be well fed, but does nothing about their physical needs, what good is it? In the same way, faith by itself, if it is not accompanied by action, is dead. My wife is very much a words person. I'm an action guy. Words are extremely important. Actions are extremely important. Two of us together, it's a great combo. Yeah. You know, what we say is important. But just saying something and doing nothing, it, it means nothing. You know? So it's like, God, I pray that this person would be blessed. How do you want me to bless them? Yeah. How do you want me to bless them? Lord, I pray that I would be blessed. And the wonderful thing is that God says, like, as we go about his business, he'll take care of ours. You know, unfortunately, most of us are programmed by the world to say, take care of, I got to take care of my business first. Right? That's how we're, we're taught by the world over and over and over by every message every day that says, take care of yourself before you take care of others. I'm probably more inclined to think that way than I am the other. Now, but we've got, to be, we've got to allow the kingdom to wash over us where we stop thinking about ourselves. We go, God, I trust you. You're going to take care of me and my needs. I'm going to go about your business. When I go to work today, I am not going to work for me. I'm not going to work for a paycheck. I'm going because you want your kingdom to advance. In this workplace, show me what it is to do. You want me to do. 
What is it that, no, that we are there not for a paycheck, not for our comfort, not for, for ourselves. We're there for him. We go to school for him. We go out shopping for him. We go into our neighborhood. We look at our neighbors. How many of us know our neighbors? Don't put up your hands. Yeah. But I'll be fair. I'll be really honest. You know, when we, we lived, and we've lived in our complex for the, from 2007, like a fall of 2007 till now. What is it going to be like 14, 15 years? I'm not going to bother doing the math. The first, you know, in the first like 14, uh, 12 years of that, we lived in one house on one side of the complex. It's where the church started. I knew the kids because I'd been working with them, but I didn't know the adults. And we made a little bit of effort to get to know our neighbors, but the truth is we were too busy and, and we, were, we were just absorbed in all the things that we were doing. And so we never really got the opportunity to know the neighbors. And after a few years of living there, it became more and more uncomfortable to try to, you know, I guess get to know them. I don't know what was going on. It just was. And so when we moved from the house we we're in to the house we're in now, it was deliberate. We want to get to know our neighbors. We want to be able to find out what needs are and to bless and to do things along those lines. Now, that was my own little psychological thing. They were like, well, I've lived here too long, so now it's uncomfortable to get to know the neighbors. Even if you've lived somewhere for 20 years and you don't get to know the neighbors, get to know them. Find out how you can bless them, how you can pray for them. If you know, you don't have to say, how can I pray for you? You can, but just like get to know them and then be praying for them and bless them in the name of Jesus. Bless them. Because in doing so, the kingdom will advance. God will work because you're exercising a spiritual principle. You're doing something of God. You're bringing his kingdom into your neighborhood, into their homes, into their lives. You're allowing him to work. But I'd encourage you, don't just stop there. You know, find ways that you can bless them you know, practically as well. Wherever you have the opportunity, advance the kingdom by blessing. Revelations 22.14, the last thing in the Bible that it says about blessing, it says that blessed are those who wash their robes that they may have the right to the tree of life and may go through the gates into the city. Now that sounds, if you don't know Revelations or don't put that in context, it's like, what does that mean? And as complicated a book as Revelations is, back at the beginning of Revelations, it talks many times about those that wash their robe in the blood of Jesus. Their robe is made white by washing it in the blood of Jesus. Right? So blessed are those that have washed their robes. For those of us that have chosen to follow Jesus, that have allowed ourselves to be washed clean by the blood of Jesus, we will be the ones that have, that have the right to eat of the tree of life and may go through the gates into the eternal city. It's time about, it's time about the new heaven, new earth. By the very fact that you've given your life to Jesus, you are blessed by God. You may not be experiencing it. You may not be feeling it. And if not, then bless yourselves as well. You know? If you're, and, and I'm, we're going to practice this. Where are we at time-wise? Oh, I'm way over. So sorry. Regardless, we're going to practice it because it's important. 
more important than our time. And so, you know, I'm going to pray a blessing over you. And just as we, as we did last week, I'm going to ask you to pray a blessing over each other. Okay? So, Lord, in the name of Jesus, so you guys just be ready to receive this. Okay? Lord, in the, and this is for people watching online and for anyone here in the room. Lord, in the name of Jesus, I bless everyone that is here today, everyone that's watching online. I pray anyone that is sick, that they would be healed. Anyone that's been tormented by spirits, that they would be delivered from that. That, Lord, I pray for the finances of everybody in this community, that they would experience your increase and abundance. That they would, as it says in Proverbs 10, they would, that your blessing would bring wealth into their lives and without painful toil for it. I bless everyone here today, Lord, that they would have the courage to let their light shine. That your kingdom would come through their lives. That they would believe uh, that your supernatural power through your Holy Spirit wants to flow through each and every one of them. And that as they pray blessings over others, as they bless, that your power will be at work. Lord, I pray that for every relationship, friendship, marriage, that they would be fruitful. And that, Lord, the kingdom would multiply here in the GTA where you've brought each and every one of us. This kingdom would multiply here and throughout the whole earth through these, the courage and conviction of each and every one of us to walk in your ways, to make disciples of the nations, to baptize those in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and to teach them to obey everything you have commanded. Amen. So before you just stand up and go for coffee and cookies and all that, look at who's around you. Take a moment. Do, you know, just, just a minute. Bless someone around you before you go. Amen?